Welcome to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. Be sure to stay tuned to the end of the show to hear how you can get a copy of this program and other helpful documents. And now it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business. I'm Carrie McCoy, and it's time for me to get all up in your business. By that I mean to say, share my business knowledge and wisdom with you, our listeners. For the next hour, me and my guest, a fellow entrepreneur and a patent lawyer, will share our paths of entrepreneurship in pursuit of our dreams and give free advice on areas of expertise. The hope is that you might gain some knowledge and get insights into the risks and the rewards of owning a small business. Today's topic will be patents, copyrights of intellectual property. Now, you may be asking yourself, what qualifies this lady to get up in my business? And the answer is easy experience. I started my company, Arkansas Flag and Banner, over 40 years ago with a meager $400. During the last four decades, Arkansas Flag and Banner has grown from door-to-door sales to telemarketing to mail order and catalog sales and now relies heavily on the Internet. Each change in my sales strategy required a change in the company thinking and procedures. My wisdom, confidence, and my company grew. My initial $400 investment now produces nearly $4 million in annual sales. I think four may be my lucky number. In this next hour, here is what not to expect. Don't expect textbook answers or pie-in-the-sky theories. What you will hear is a candid conversation about really-world experiences on topics I hope you'll find interesting. So be prepared for the truth. It's not always easy to hear. For example, in business, there are very few overnight successes. I worked a part-time job for nine years before Arkansas Flag and Banner grew enough to support just me. It's now grown and expanded so much that to operate efficiently, we require, are you ready for this? A purchasing, manufacturing, graphic, shipping, technology, accounting, marketing, sales, and customer service department, plus a retail store. 25 people or more make their living from working at Arkansas Flag and Banner. But that didn't happen overnight. Starting and owning a business takes persistence, perseverance, and patience. My guest today is entrepreneur and attorney Joe Calhoun of the Calhoun Law Firm. His company's specialty is patents, copyrights, trademarks, trade secrets. Today he is going to share his knowledge and be a great resource for those who want to protect their inventions, products, technology, works of art, and or marketing programs. I love all these. I call him a patent lawyer, but he probably has a more expansive description of what he does, including helping startup companies. Before we dig into Joe Calhoun's psyche, let me tell you a little bit about him. He has a BS degree. Don't all lawyers have a (laughs) BS degree? (laughs) Very few, actually. (laughs) Actually, BS is for uh, Bachelor of Science from Tulane in biology and psychology. He went to law school at the University of San Francisco. When he returned home to Little Rock, Arkansas, he worked as a law clerk at the Arkansas Court of Appeals. His next career move took him into the area of private practice with a well-known Little Rock law firm where he eventually became a partner. On the eve of 2000, Joe left the comfort of his ready-made career and jumped into the world of entrepreneurship when he formed 
Calhoun Law Firm. Today, he is able to concentrate on his preferred areas of expertise, which are patents, copyrights, trademarks, trade secrets, and business competition. In addition, he loves working with startups and mentoring. Here to share his knowledge with us today is my friend, my neighbor, and attorney, Mr. Joe Calhoun. Welcome to the table, Joe. Thank you, Carrie. Do you know that the last two places I have lived... You have moved onto that street. Are you following <laughs> me around? I've been stalking you. Here, okay? <laughs> I thought about that when I was writing this. I thought, hmm, we keep living next we were to back, each other. We we're back, back door neighbors. I know we were. Now we're side-by-side neighbors. So after reading your bio, I think I'm going to have to start addressing you as counselor when I see you walking the dog. <laughs> you started your business in 2000. That was 16 years ago. But you say that you've been in this business for 25 years. What? Explain that. Well, I started my firm uh, at, on the very beginning of 2000. But really, I've been practicing law for a number of years before that. When I was graduated from law school out in San Francisco, I was working for a uh, commercial litigation firm out there. But I was a Little Rock boy, uh, born and raised, and knew I was going to die here. And so I, I decided, well, let's, let's go on back. It's time to get home. Are your parents here? Uh, they are no longer with us, but uh, they were. But they were. <laughs> Um, all right, here's the big question. In 2000, you started Calhoun Law Firm. Was there something that happened that became a deciding factor to make you take that leap of faith into entre- entrepreneurship? I think it was really a, a culmination of a number of, a number of factors. I really had gotten uh, my, pr- my practice had developed into the intellectual property field. There weren't that many intellectual property lawyers then and there aren't that many now, actually, and so uh, there was another uh, another attorney at my firm that was uh, we, he had just moved here from California, and we we kind of teamed up and we went off off on our own. Uh, we were just decided to make that jump, uh, got our own little Y two K bug, uh, and just went off on our own and just went for it. Are y'all still together? Uh, no, Denny is no longer here. Actually, he's no no longer with us. Is he in Arkansas? He's in heaven. Oh, my gosh. I keep asking you these in, these ended questions. I'm sorry. I don't know what to say. i to be diplomatic about it. But. Uh, oh, okay. Um, how many people are at your business now? How many lawyers do you have there? In Little Rock, we've just got me. Uh, I've got another attorney uh, who's of counsel to me in, in Palo Alto. We have a, a small office out there, and he's a California-based attorney. He was actually his previous life uh he had been a software engineer and then he he was into software he was managing uh, software development teams and decided he's going into law well that's intellectual property is that kind of how it ended up he ended up because he was doing software he ended up finding out so much about patent law through his own intellectual property yes and he went to law school and got his got out you have to have a special license to be a patent lawyer yes oh really not every lawyer can be a patent lawyer, and when you said all lawyers have a, a BS degree, <laughs> you meant BS in a different sense. But as as a practical matter, most lawyers don't have a bachelor of science degree, and that you really kind of almost have to have that to, to be a patent lawyer. Well, I see that you do biotechnology patents. 
So I would see how your degree would be very important. How would you even know how to patent biotechnology without a degree? You would not. And those types of patents were very, very new in, in, the, in the field. They, no, no organisms were patentable until about the 1998 or so, until the decision came down. Actually, it was a little earlier than that. But it's really a, a niche. But really, as a practical matter, I handle a lot more than just bio- biotech. And really, a, a lot of mechanical uh, types of patents. There are software patents, just a number of different types of technologies. What about Monsanto, who patents their seeds? That's um, new. Yes, and those are two different types of patents. So you can get a what's called a utility patent on some of those. But really, those are plant patents pro- uh, predominantly. When you when you you can patent a a species, a newly developed species of... Is there any end to what you can patent? Oh, yes, there is. The rules are getting ticky on some of this stuff, but there, there will always be something, something new to patent, just not different genres. All right, this is a great place to take a break. When we come back, we're going to learn more about Calhoun's Law Firm and how it can help us. We're going to dig into the business of patents and trademarks and copyrights and find out what the difference is and what is patentable. Listening to Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy. I'm speaking today with Joe Calhoun from the Calhoun Law Firm in the River Market of downtown Little Rock, Arkansas. Joe, what do you think about I fought the law and the law won? You think that's a good idea? The law is always going to win. There you go. That's a perfect answer. So I read this. You say this about your firm. The Calhoun Law Firm has over 25 years of legal and related business experience in commercial litigation and client counseling, especially in the intellectual property fields. You say, our primary practice areas include the creation of registration of intellectual property rights, the guiding of clients' commercialization of those rights, the assignment or licensing of such rights to or from others, and the enforcement of or defense against infringement claims. Jeez, that sounds like lawyer talk. <laughs> Can you tell us in layman terms 
what that means? Well, my, really my primary niche is patenting. But as a practical matter, not everybody needs a patent. My more general specialty is really helping startups get started up. And if they're already started up, helping them expand. A lot of folks, when they come to me, they've got an idea or some sort of uh, a product or service that they're really wanting to try to get protected and turn it into a competitive advantage so that they can compete with in the world. You oftentimes need a competitive advantage to, to do anything. Can everything be patented? Oh, you can get a patent on things, you, you know, articles of manufacture. People call them widgets or products and things like that. You can get patents on processes, manufacturing processes, or even methods of doing business and methods of doing things. You can get patents on improvements to those types of things. You, and again, you can get patents on plants. And there's this thing called a design patent. Look at it this way. There's a utility patent. You get a patent on the functional aspects of whatever this, this device or this process is, what it does. There's another patent called a design patent where you get a patent on really what it looks like on the external ornamental appearance of the product. Really? The biggest case recently on that has been the Apple versus Samsung. Half of that case was about utility patenting on the functionality of the software, but a, a good portion of the case was on the sleek, streamlined look of the iPhone and how, according to Apple, Samsung copied or infringed that design patent. Did they win? They are still battling out in court. There was uh, recently there was a decision came down where Apple had won the first round, and then the the appellate court just reversed the judgment of five hundred and something million dollars because of the damages calculation. It's, what does that mean? The damages calculation. Well, once you find that there is infringement, that someone has copied this particular product, for instance. Then the question is, okay, there's liability for patent infringement, but the question becomes, was there damage, was there financial harm caused by that copying? And that's where the money is. That's where when you're going after those cases. Do you think there cases. was infringement and harm, damaged harm that came to Apple over the droid design copying? Just I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't keep. So. I don't keep I mean, up with that. How can you even? I mean, that would seems to me like that would be hard to to win. Well, you know, Apple was the first to, to come out with that very sleek, minimalist design. They filed some design patents, and you know, that's you file a patent. You filed a patent. I mean, you know, there you go. They were the first to to jump on it, and I guess the jury came back and said that there was infringement and found damages. And then the appellate court said you miscalculated the damages, and so that's where it is right now. So, how many lawyers are in your firm? There is there's me and there's Mark Koo out in Palo Alto. I talked to you about that earlier. Oh, is I've, that where he is? I saw that you had Mark Koo. Yeah. And you say he's of counsel. Does that just mean he's a lawyer? We have a, a continuous uh, working relationship. We uh, share cases. We coordinate on cases, collaborate on cases and things like that. And then you have Marina. Uh, Mar yes. Uh, and Marina is a – she's a formerly a UAMS professor – uh, she's been in academia in scientific research for 20-something years. She's originally from Moscow, Yeah, I can't even Russia. pronounce her last name. M Mikhailova. Oh, and um, 
and she's quite an asset. She helps out on the, on the biotech type. And she's a patent agent. That's what she is. She's got a Ph.D. in biological science, so you are doing a lot of biotech. I mean, with your background and her background, y'all can really probably geek it out on the biotech. <laughs> 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 that might be true. <laughs> yeah, I don't even want to be at those beer-drinking events. Yeah. Well, you know, there's patenting, but and really a lot of people come in with a lot of different technologies. It doesn't have to be high-tech to make money. It, you know, many low-tech devices are really tremendous. And so you really, you can't, it's not like the, the higher tech, the better. That's not the case at all. It's just how, how innovative it is and how it's perceived in the marketplace, how the consumers, uh, you know, desire it. So people call me all the time at Arkansas Flag and Banner, and they say, I really, I get this call a lot. They say, I have designed a flag, and it is the best flag ever Will you sign a non-compete and make these for me and put them on your website, and they are going to fly off your website? And I know that that's not true. It doesn't ma- I mean, you can make all kinds of th- stuff, but without marketing and advertising, it's like putting up a billboard in the middle of a desert. <laughs> and they often think that by just designing a great flag, there's somehow people are going to come to them and they're going to become rich without thinking about the advertising and marketing piece of it, which really is probably the biggest piece of almost Th- anything. That is, the, that is a, a great observation because many, many of my clients, they feel that as soon as they, they get their patent, money is going to start raining in. Some of the biggest obstacles is convincing a patent owner, an inventor, to turn that baby loose and give it to somebody who can actually make some money with it. Not all creative people, inventors especially, are uh, necessarily good marketers. And so you really have to convince the uh, inventor oftentimes. They need to expand their team, and they need to pull in some marketing and sales expertise. Yes, like some of the games like Monopoly. I, a lot of games at Mattel were not even invented by Mattel, anybody that worked for Mattel. They were invented by a guy with a great idea, and they took it to Mattel, who had deep pockets and big marketing outlets, and they began to sell you know, the game Clue, mm-hmm. for instance. But those people that created the game and patented the game had to be able to let go of their baby enough to give it to somebody and give up a part. I mean, who wants 100% of nothing when you can have 40% of a lot? And that's true of so much. You know, the people that get patents, by and large, they're small people. They're not big business. They're, they're entrepreneurs. They're solos, people like that. They're out there, very creative folks on their own, and they're getting the majority of the patents. And... They just need to learn, hey, you know, we're smart enough to get the patent, but it's not about, it's not about brains necessarily uh, in getting it into the consumer's hands and getting them to you know, write a check for it. Yes, you've got to have a marketing avenue. I mean, if they can sell the pet rock, and this is going to make you crazy, but now I'm drying <laughs> hydrogenated water, which drives, my, which drives my family crazy. They're like, water is hydrogenated. And so I'm buying <laughs> hydrogenated water now, and they're like, okay. Oh, 
okay, here's my pet rock. <laughs> but that's marketing. Yes. And yep. it was a great idea, and I wonder if that guy patented his hydrogenated water. Good question. All right. Um, you say that a substantial part of your law practice involves helping other law firms that do not have IP attorneys. What does that mean? Well, uh, again, there's there's not that many patent lawyers around, primarily because you do need a science background. And most, and most I think, attorneys are English majors, history majors, political science majors, and people like that. So there's already already a, a, a shortage, so to speak, of patent lawyers. And so a lot of law firms don't don't know they they could get the business. They they don't have in house their own patent lawyer on their staff. So all these people that are going to school right now and are going in for a BA in political science should be getting a B, a Bachelor of Science degree so that they can have a different type of uh, specification in their law practice. Well, everybody should go, should get their education on what you what you, you really love. you love and also but also what's going to help help you if you want to try to make a living with it. I never would have thought though a Bachelor of Science in law went together when I read that about you. <laughs> well, you know, I was one of those guys that that really didn't know exactly what I wanted to do in college. I happened to like the science, and that that was really where my heart lie. Uh-huh. And once I got out of undergraduate, I'd actually gone out to California uh, working for a restaurant uh, to get a to get a year's worth of uh, residency there. So my my next education would be cheaper. I was going to be uh, pursuing a Ph.D. in basically neuroscience or neurobiology, and during that year, I just had a change of heart. And uh, I from went, neuroscience to law. <laughs> well, I, actually, there was a there was a a stint in there when I was actually a soap salesman for Colgate Palmolive up in my territory was the wine country was basically the Golden Gate Bridge north up to the Oregon border. So you were drunk when you made this decision. <laughs> <laughs> And very clean with my soap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've learned how to do that. So, so you, what happened, really? What ha- did happen? So you just went during that soap selling episode of your life? So, you know, that taught me, you know, being a, a very small cog in a multinational corporate wheel was an interesting experience. And I really learned about business, just everyday business. And one of the things I learned is, and I was, I was a good salesman, but I also was tired of, you know, I was on the road every other week visiting a different region of my territory, and I just got the feeling that, hey, this is a lot of fun, but it's, it's going to have its limitations for me. Uh, so I started looking into some uh, other degrees, and, and it just so happened that, that law and business was, was what I was want, wanting to do. So that's what I did. I cannot stress to listeners how important it is to just work at anything, at any job, because you never know where it's going to lead you. And some, so many entrepreneurs end up entrepreneurs because they took a job because they had to have money, like selling <laughs> soap. And I was selling flags. And it took them somewhere that they never dreamed they'd go. But I can tell you this. If you're sitting on the couch waiting to get a job and only, on the, only in what your degree's in, you're never you're going to miss an opportunity out there. You bet. And just like the, the old saying that you know Thomas Edison, I think it was him, that uh, when they, when they when he finally invented the light bulb, and it took him you know hundreds or thousands of time, and and he basically said you know hey the other times were all good. I, I learned how not to not to do it, but it led it led to the the, the way to make it correctly. 
Same thing with me. I mean, I, I tried this, I tried that, and, uh, and I, but I kept following kind of my instincts of what I liked to do. Yeah. I read your law firm works with individuals and businesses, both. The Calhoun Law Firm crafts creative legal solutions for businesses and individuals in need of guidance and courtroom representation in the areas of patent procurement, licensing, and litigation, copyright registration, license, and litigation, trademark registration, license, and litigation. All of these are litigation. Trade secrets counseling, unfair competition counseling, false advertising. I want to talk about that one. Business organizations, contract negotiations, commercial law, and so on. What is the difference between patents and copyrights? Okay. You know, both patents and copyrights were provided for in the Constitution. Uh, and it's probably because of Benjamin Franklin's in influence in drafting the Constitution. He was an inventor and a, and a publisher. And you get patents for inventions. Okay, you can get a patent for an invention. You get copyrights for works of art. There is very little overlap between those. Either you've got an invention that has a usefulness, it's a useful thing, you get a utility patent for that, or you other creative output from from graphic arts uh, to sculptures, three-dimensional art, uh, to music, uh, to just literary works, authorships. Uh, computer programming is kind of a crossover. It was originally... Uh, protected strictly by, by copyrights until about 1998 when a case came down. And for the first time, it, it made computer-governed inventions could possibly be patented. And ever since then, uh, there's a secondary uh, form of protection. And it's really patenting is the most, is the most uh, powerful if you can get it. It's uh, a lot more difficult to get, and it doesn't last as long but it's much more powerful while it exists. A patent will last 20 years from the filing date of the application so that if, you, if it takes you a year and a half to get your patent, you've got 18 and a half years left uh, of protection. Copyrights, on the other hand, can last at least 70 years after the death of the last surviving co-author. And so it, it lasts a long time. That's, that's why Marvin Gaye's family was able to come back and sue. Who was that they just sued? Uh, 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 the Blurred Line song. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, you've, and you've got Elvis, Elvis copyrights still out there. I mean, there's, there's a, lot of, a lot of those. They last a long time, and it, doesn't, and it doesn't cost very much to go after. You're talking about a $35 or $55 filing fee at the, at the Library of Congress, which is where the copyright office is. And you can wait about six or eight months for them to process it, and typically you'll get your, your uh, copyright registration certificate back in the mail. Some of the people that played in Dreamland are so far back that they don't have copyrights on their music anymore. So 70 years is usually the link. Uh, no, it's longer than that. That's the shortest. The That's shortest, the shortest duration for, for, for corporate and works made for hire can be 120 years. I mean, it's, it's, that's the shortest deadline right there is at least 70 years after the death of the last surviving uh, co-author or co-creator. What's the difference between copyrights and trademarks? Copyrights, again, you know, those are for works of art. Trademarks are totally different. And copyrights and patents are much more close to each other. They're both types of of property where 
the inventor or the creator is going to get protection for that particular uh, creative output. Trademarks, the focus is really about con- preventing consumer fraud. Uh, and yes, the owner of trademarks does get the incidental benefit of, of getting it, uh, the protection, but it's the, the whole thing about trademark protection is for source identifiers. You see a symbol or you see a word or two, and you think... That's Nike. A, that's Nike's right. trademark. You just, just see a swoosh, or you just see, go, uh, just do it. You know, yeah. that's that's Nike. And so that's the the difference. You know, when you protect trademarks, you prevent the competitors from adopting a confusingly similar mark so that they can't deceive the consumers and divert those customers to themselves. So even if you make it slightly different, if it's deceiving... Like, people send out mail that looks like the U.S. government sent it out. How are they doing that with a seal that looks like somebody that's, else's seal? That's seat? deceptive. That, that's, there's a cottage industry in that. But that, it is it is deceptive, and it's you don't have to adopt the exact replica of somebody else's mark. To be infringing. Correct. Although, if you do, oftentimes you see, uh, like, these Louis Vuitton bags or, or something of that nature – where it is an exact replica, and that's counterfeiting, and those are criminal penalties and much higher uh, But it's everywhere. As well. How, so why are they not getting sued? They are. They just can't find them because they're offshore? Oh, they're going after them. There's, there's a great amount of effort and, and money put into that. So what's a trade secret? Trade secret is, classic example, is the, is the formula for Coca-Cola, where, oh, yeah. where it has... Independent economic value just by, from not being known by others. Okay. Yeah, Bush's beans, family secret. That's that could be, or those uh, what the the uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken, the, the recipe for that. Perhaps I worked there. I tried to get that one. <laughs> I want the I want faded roses uh, soaked salad recipe. Oh yeah. <laughs> Let's take a break. When we come back, I want to find out what is patentable, and what is not, because I want to talk about names that are patentable. On this side of the law, on that side of the law Who is right, who is wrong, who is for and who's against the law Well, you see, I didn't really mean you any harm But I simply couldn't make it on the farm When the land won't give a lot, you gotta do with what you got And all I got's the muscle in my arm Well, I wouldn't ever hurt my fellow man And mister, seems to me you'd understand I'm just trying to help myself without hurting anybody else And a man has got to do the best he can On this side of the law, on that side of the law Who is weak, who is wrong, who is for and who's against the law I didn't really mean to let my family down And I'm not giving you the runaround I 
I'd rather be dead than to have to beg my daily bread and I pay my way no matter where I'm bound. Who doesn't love Johnny Cash? Nobody. You're listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. I'm speaking today with Joe Calhoun from the Calhoun Law Firm in the River Market of downtown Little Rock, Arkansas. Why'd you pick the River Market? Is that your second place you've been, or is that the first place you went to? I picked that. That was the second place, and I'm no longer there, actually. So you're not, you don't have a plate on the wall at the beer on the ceiling on the ceiling I, what was the, i'm the name so of? angry about the flag saucer because you uh, deserve a plate on I, the ceiling. I went i had i had a hundred beers, beers and by the time i got my hundredth beer and i presented it for the for that they said we upped the number oh my gosh did you sue them <laughs> <laughs> hey i had an office directly above the I know. kitchen and it, I was very much tempting. of a regular down there at that on that time. But, I mean, uh, it would just how many beers do you have to have? A hundred? Hundred well, at the time. Third, now it's more. Now that's just a third of a year. I mean, you used to go eat down there every day for. Uh, you used to go eat lunch down there and have a beer every day for a hundred yeah. days. That's yeah. only four months out of the year or five months out of the year or something. Yeah. yeah, you could do that in a heartbeat. But now I'm at the Bank Corp South Building on the fifth floor, down by kind of close to the river. Uh, oh, you like that? Oh yes, that's it's a great nice. place. You're moving on up. All right, let's pick apart. What's patentable and what's not? During the break, we talked about name because I would like to patent flag and banner. Okay. Again, you can't patent a name. Again, you get patents on inventions. Is that is there a name that's an invention? No. You get uh, what you're talking about, flag and banner. Uh, that's a source identifier, obviously. Mm-hmm. Trademark registration. Okay. What? Trademark registration. Now. Keep in mind, anytime you have a source identifier, we talked about Nike. We talked about the swoosh being a source identifier or just do it as being a source identifier for Nike. Once you start using something that's a source identifier, has some sort of source identification significance to consumers, you actually have a trademark at that time. You don't have to register it to have a trademark. What registration does is it will expand your protection outside of your immediate trade area to the entire United States if you get a federal registration. So can I go register my name, flag, and banner? Oh, absolutely, yes. What? <laughs> but it's not required, but it but it's got it makes good sense to do so. It will prevent someone, it will put you on a national database. It will prevent someone from, uh, from claiming later on that they had no reason to know about your name when they adopted a confusingly similar name. Oh, they do that all the time to me on the Internet. People are always chasing me around and trying to exploit my name, and I didn't know I could do something yeah, like that. That's, that's all, you really have to protect your identity, your business identity as well Every as Every time I listen to my own show, I learn something. Last week I learned that you could clean your jewelry with Mr. Cl- 50% Mr. Clean and 50% water, and that Stanley Jewelers cleans their jewelry with that, and that it's the best. And my daughter did it, and she said to shout out to Laura Stanley that <laughs> it is the best cleaner of jewelry ever. Every week I learn something new. I'm going to go do that. How much does that cost? You can tell me later. <laughs> or can I do it myself online? You can do it yourself online, but uh, it'll be difficult. Yeah, I don't even it's read got, well, it's, so it's, it'd really be it's difficult. It's subtly simple. So let's pick apart inventions. What is patentable and what is not patentable? Okay. Uh, you've got uh, on the uh, got the just standard things, you know, widgets, products, things of that nature. We've got you got software. Again, software 
is that is that neat kind of crossover mm-hmm. uh, between between patent protection and copyright protection. Uh, the thing about uh, about patenting, you know, you've got these design patents as well, and oftentimes you can have uh, get both copyright protection and design patent protection on the same thing. You talked about this flag, for instance. Yeah. Okay, flag. It's, an, it's a useful article. You you can you can probably get a design patent on the on the on a flag if you pass the the patenting tests. Okay. The MIA POW MIA flag was patented. Okay. All right. You can also the graphic design of that flag. You can get copyright protection on that. Just the pure graphic output, and you can put that graphic output on a coffee mug, or on a T-shirt. Or what have you. But Often. that doesn't seem like a good idea because marketing is so important. You kind of want people to share your graphic. You want them to buy your product, which is your flag, and you want them to share that graphic so that your flag gets free advertisement, I would think. Well, yeah, yeah. You just don't want competitors to be able to copy it and undercut your profits and so forth. Sometimes the highest compliment there is is to be copied. Well, yes, but if they, that copier puts you out of business because uh, because they're selling a lot cheaper, you can be complimented all the way to all the way to insolvency. <laughs> well, you you can't, <laughs> yes, but if it's a copying you in a uh, in a non-destructive way, that's just kind of sharing your logo, let's say, but they're not stealing your product, but they're sharing your logo. That could be almost. A uh, viral sort of advertising it, yes, if for it, you. Yes, if it's not a competitor. And again, you don't you don't mind people, you know, forwarding or sharing some of your handiwork, but you just don't want competitors to copy it and undercut your sales. I have a friend who makes the U.S. flag. He hand paints the U.S. flag, and he sent it up to the fire station during nine eleven. This beautiful U.S. flag, and pretty soon it became very popular and pretty soon people started copying his style mm-hmm. so how would an, and, and he feels like it's a huge compliment that people are copying his style but was there anything he could do to protect I mean it's the U.S. flag right the fact that it's the U.S. flag that you're not going to be able to get any rights to that although you can get some copyrights to to some variations of it if if you want to it's got to be you know it's it's a minimal level of creativity will support copyrights okay I did see a U.S. flag, and in the red stripes, all the stripes bore the names of 9-11 victims. Oh, yeah, that one was copyrighted. And mm-hmm. that was huge. And, you know, you didn't get copyright on the flag itself, on this other artistic version of it. Mm-hmm. That was the flag of heroes. Yeah. And then there was a flag of honor. The one was the flag of heroes, which was all the service people that died, and one was the flag of honor, which was just all the civilians that died. Lovely idea. The thing about copyrights is that you can't copyright an idea. You copyright really just the physical, perceptible manifestation of this creative output. As soon as you you uh, fix some creative output on some perceptible medium, uh, it could be it could be on anything. Uh, but as soon as you fix it, it's that particular version that you've got copyrights to. So they can just barely change it, and all of a sudden your copyright's no good. What no, about your inventions there, 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 made out of metal and they make it out of plastic? Copyright, so now is it not the same? No. The copyrights, the infringement test is substantial similarity. If you just change a little bit, no. That's not necessarily going to get out from under an infringement claim. 
this is complex, and it is a lot of litigation because there's a lot of angles in which – do you do a lot of litigation and split hairs with people? I do a fair amount. You know, the copy-and-paste mentality is, is a copyright lawyer's dream. What does that mean? Copy-and-paste. Yeah. You know, when you're on, online and you highlight something and you hit, you know, hit copy – and then you move it to another thing and paste it elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, and kind of, you know, just put it on your own document or put it on your own web page or what have you. Sounds that, like appraisers that's, also. That's copyright infringement. You know, copyrights gives the copyright owner the right oh. to control copying and to control changes, derivatives to it. And also gives you the right to perform or display the original in public. Well, what about Michelle Obama's speech practically read word for word? Is that an infringement? It wasn't copyrighted. The speech wasn't copyrighted, I doubt. Here's a, here's a legal subtlety. Uh-huh. <laughs> Copyrights technically spring up automatically into existence as soon as they, you get you fix some creative output on, in some perceptible medium. Okay? You don't have a court to enforce them in until you register the copyrights. Okay? And so... When you, when you say something was not copyrighted, what you're saying, it was not registered, I suspect. I suspect. And if it wasn't registered, uh, it wouldn't be too late to register, but you don't get damages kind of after the fact. You have to get damages after copyright registration. So all these speeches around the world probably are not copyrighted. So people just plagiarize speeches all the time. You hear about it all the time. Well, they're on the... The open airways and, so and I guess the videos. There are some exceptions to copyright infringement. It's called fair use. And it's really typically where the courts have, have weighed competing constitutional rights. In fair use, it's the First Amendment right of free speech and association and so forth versus the other constitutional right to copyrights. And guess what? what? The First Amendment right that inures to all of the American people beat out the copyrights that inures to one person. Uh, and so for reporting, news reporting, even satire, you can use copyright-protected material, and you're not infringing because it's, it's basically been a public policy decision by the, the judges that, hey, you know, free speech. I got it. So you were saying also at the break that you could copyright smells, so all the perfumes are copyrighted. I know you can get trademark, I mean, trademark trademark registration. Any again, anything with source identification significance. There's that. Uh, I'm trying to think of the name of the studio, but it goes bum bum bum. Oh yeah, CBS. 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 That you know. That's, that's good, Joe. That's uh, trademark oh. registered. And there is a, a yarn that has got a particular fragrance. That a is, yarn that has yeah, sewing yarn or knitting yarn. Really? That has. Did you do that or something? How did you know that? <laughs> Just as something I've picked up in the 25 Tell me years. the most, if you can, tell me what the best or most interesting thing you've ever copyrighted or trademarked. Oh, goodness. Gosh, you know, that's going to be hard. You know, the, the neatest thing about, about my life. Uh-huh. Don't, you, you better say you Vicky. Vicky's listening. Vicky. <laughs> Vicky. <laughs> Besides Vicky. <laughs> is, is really the fact that people come to see me uh, and they've got dreams. Uh, they don't come to see me because they've been busted or they're going bankrupt, they're getting a divorce, they're hurt, what have you. They come, they come to see me because they've got these dreams and they've been thinking about it. They've got some really neat, uh, neat things they're trying to protect and kind of turn into maybe an alternative life. 
That is so interesting. And I've got there's just so many neat neat things projects I've done for people that uh, have gotten them you know protection on. Have any of them blossomed in anything really, really big? There's been there's one uh, one company that uh, was traded on Nasdaq. It started off locally here, and they got they got some funding in elsewhere in Chicago, and then they was got more Contour funding Med? elsewhere. I saw Contour Med was on your list. Uh, Contour Med was that's not that's not uh, although Contour Med is still here. That was the first spin out of of uh, UAMS, and I helped organize form that company and. Uh, named them and got their trademark registration and got them up and going. I love that name. Uh, that's, that's, a, that? that's a neat name. Yeah. That's a great yeah. name. <laughs> it, it is a good name. I've thought that. So well, it was a brainstorming session with the clients and me, and we kind of came up with that. I like it. I I think I even bought stock in it when it came out a long, 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 mm. long time ago. We didn't even know. What's the biggest mistake you see people make? It's really. Not letting go, not not uh, of their invention or whatever their their creative is, you know. Think, thinking that hey, I birthed this baby and I can I can take this all the way, and just not recognizing uh, their own limitations. You need to keep a copy of the E Myth in your office and give it to them every time they walk out the door, because the E Myth is the entrepreneurial myth that they have to do everything. And I think every entrepreneur feels that way and has a hard time letting go of their baby. I often call Arkansas Flag and Banner my firstborn. And the very first person I hired to come and work for me, and I watched him answer the phone and talk to my customer, I thought, oh, my gosh, <laughs> I could do better telling this. <laughs> you know, I just wanted to just jump down the phone with them. And the more I let go, the more I realized they were better at it than I was. And it's letting go those first probably the very beginning letting go and letting someone else do it and help you because you can't be everything you can't you can't be good and great at everything and that's what the e-myth talks about is you can't be in the back making pies because you're a great pie maker because your business will never grow past how many pies you can make yeah so what's the uh one simple thing we can all do to protect ourselves i know what i'm doing i'm going back and registering my name Simplest thing is you've got creative output, a copyright registration application. You can do it online. It's cheap. It lasts a long time if you can qualify for that copyright registration. That's the best bang for your buck. And patenting is really, I hate to say it, but you can't really have to go go see a patent lawyer. Uh, well, it's so complex. It, it's it is. It's it's just talking to you is complex. There's lots of lots of subtleties, nuances, and. It's just a, a highly specialized field. Your other passion is startups. You do have a great life. You talk to people with big dreams, and then you do startups, and you work at the Venture Center. Let's take a really, really quick break, and when we come back, I want to talk to Joe about his mentoring that he does at the Venture Center in downtown Little Rock, where you can go down and get advice from professionals like him. In Cumberland, Kentucky. Cool autumn evening Billy lay in love with Mary Ann She was a rich judge's daughter He was the son of a miner But that night their love was more than they could stand The judge said to his daughter That son of that coal miner Is someone you'd do well to leave alone she knew her dad so well, she knew she couldn't tell, but the truth was bound to show before too long. 
Their love had started growing on its own You can't outrun the long arm of the law No, you can't outrun the long arm of the law Billy placed his hand on Mary And he felt the baby moving Kissed her and said I'll Joe, I can tell by your list of associations that you have in community involvement that you love working with startups and mentoring them. I mean, come on, dude. I got two pages of stuff you do. So let's talk about what you're doing right now. I think it's the Venture Center. Did you help start that? I did not help start it. I I got involved at a fairly early stage. And, of course, they were uh, down on Markham across from the State House Convention Center, and now they've moved around, kind of around the corner and down the street on Main Street. Uh, Oh, really? It's a tremendous operation. They've got they they really are the support system for the Central Arkansas entrepreneurial ecosystem. I participate every Tuesday in a thing called Lift the Rock at nine o'clock, and it's basically there's a a local entrepreneur will will be scheduled to stand up and give give some some uh, some help and just give their story and maybe give some advice, uh, tell some pitfalls and, and successes and things of that nature. There's a gong they ring whenever there's been a, a major positive happening to somebody. And it's, it's just a, a good group. I'm a mentor there. They've got these various classes, and uh, there's this thing called an accelerator, a business accelerator, where they basically nurture companies. They teach them certain skills and, and things of that nature, and then they put them in contact with professionals such as myself. There is, you know, there's a, a great group that are down there. I'm helping this one woman, and she has got this program that basically helps people analyze the compatibility of their business. With uh, what? Compatible their, their, with what? Their business systems and, and align their goals and their strengths. And also sometimes it's used in the in the context of merging with another company or something of that nature. Well, that's neat. Uh, there's, there's another woman I'm, I'm helping right now that she's developing an app uh, for some diabetes prevention uh, type of uh, uh, technology. I need to uh, ask those people. So at 9 o'clock, you're saying this is. You can go down there at 9 o'clock, and you can hear another entrepreneur tell their story, exactly what this radio show is. Yes. But it's at 9 o'clock every Tuesday. Downtown Little Rock Main Street at the Venture Center. That, yes, there's that. There, there's also at, at the North Little Rock uh, at the Innovation Hub on Wednesdays. There's a similar type of a, a what program time on as Wednesdays? Well. Nine o'clock. Is it? Are they associated together? They are not. They so are there's not. the Venture Center in the, Little Rock at yes. nine o'clock on Tuesday, and then there's the Innovative Hub. Innovation Hub is is over in, in North Little Rock at nine o'clock on Wednesdays. Yes. I need to go down there and get some people on my show we, that have got some good stories. I bet you could tell me some. There, that the, I we've got it. We've got a, a fairly uh, uh, healthy uh, group of entrepreneurs in this in this central Arkansas, and it's growing. We do, we really do, yeah. and you paying it forward is a wonderful thing. When did you decide you wanted to start? Paying it forward, like mine was. You know, six I was ago. I was doing this back in the '90s, actually, when it was before it was sexy to do it, and I, I really? kind of hung it up after a while because really there wasn't the the funding. There were all the pieces in the puzzle were, were not there for a totally healthy ecosystem. But really, since uh, in the, for the last you know five years plus, you know, 
people have real, realized that, hey, it's the small businesses that are, that are driving our economy, Thank that are driving you. our jobs. Thank you. Uh, and, and actually some of the powers that be, especially in the financial con- community, have, have also gotten that feeling. So they're a little bit they're, – they're less risk-averse. Thank you. That is good. In the 1990s, it says you represented the Technical Enterprise Center of Arkansas, the first business incubator. So there you are, 1990. You were right in there. Yeah. I love it. Anything you want to tell our listeners? Any words of advice? If you're creative out there, keep creating. Keep good notes if, if that helps oh, you. Oh, interesting. And come see me when you when you want to get some How protection. do they find you? Uh, Calhoun at CalhounLawFirm.com. I've got some on my website, CalhounLawFirm.com. I've got some videos that discuss uh, some, of the, some of the ins and outs of the various intellectual property uh, type issues. Well, aren't you something? And that's a brand-new website. You just launched it a, few, a little while ago. Oh, a few weeks few months, ago. Yeah. Oh, a few, a few months ago. Yeah, well, and you've got videos on how-to. That's a great. So it's just CalhounLawFirm.com? That's it. I love it. Who's our guest next week, Tim? Our guest next week is the pastor of Joe's Church. All right. Do you know? Do you know Father know. Fred Ball's coming Absolutely. next week? Oh, I yeah. love that. Amen. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, every one of my guests get a cigar for birthing a business. Excellent. That comes Thank from you. the Humidor Room at Colonial Wine and Spirits. Thank You're you so welcome. Much. I think you might enjoy that. Just like a lawyer to smoke a cigar. <laughs> Also, if you've got a great entrepreneur story and you would like to share, I'd love to hear from you. Send a brief bio and your contact info to questions at upyourbusiness.org, and someone will be in touch. And finally, to our listeners, thank you for spending time with me. If you think this program has been about you, you're right, but it's also about me. Thank you for letting me fulfill my destiny. My hope today is that you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring or enlightening and that it, whatever it is, will help you up your business, your independence, or your life. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'll see you next Friday. Until then, be brave and keep it up. You've been listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. Want to hear today's program again or want someone else to benefit from it? Jot this down. Within 48 hours, a podcast will be available at upyourbusiness.org or at flagandbanner.com. Again, that's upyourbusiness.org. Click the tab labeled Podcast. There you'll find today's segment with links to resources you heard discussed on this program. Carrie's goal? To help you live the American dream.